So a lot of you guys have asked me to do an episode analyzing the Arizona audit. So I thought, well, today let's analyze the Arizona audit because it's it's a super important story that, of course, the mainstream media has completely misrepresented. They're telling pretty much entire lies. They're cutting lies out of whole cloth about the Arizona audit. And the lie that the mainstream media is telling, the primary lie about this audit, is they're saying, well, the hand recount that was conducted in the state of Arizona um, shows that the result that we got in November, Biden defeating President Trump, was not only correct, but Biden actually defeated Trump by even more than we thought in the original count. But this is the headline from the mainstream media, but this is not the whole story. Not at all. I read the entire audit, not just um, mainstream media write-ups of the audit. I read the audit, and what the audit tells us is there are major issues. There are major concerns. There are major discrepancies between vote counts that should match each other. And so when there's a discrepancy, um, and we'll get into the details, but when there's a discrepancy that gives us indication that either um, fraud and malfeasance happened or gross mismanagement, either of which could impact the outcome of the election. And what's in, here, here's the thing about this, um, the Maricopa County audit too. Maricopa County itself didn't cooperate with the auditors. They refused to hand over information that was critical to the auditors being able to analyze whether there was fraud, whether there was um, illegal votes intentionally or otherwise that happened in the county that impacted the total tally of the election. So I, I wanna get one thing clear before we get in the details. You are not a conspiracy theorist for questioning what happened last November, especially in Arizona. I am not a conspiracy theorist for questioning election integrity. This is something we're actually called. This is part of our role as citizens of our country to take part in our self-governance, to make sure that these institutions, these systems that are run by people are held accountable. And so that's what we're doing. Election reform needs to happen. If not, Democrats will electioneer every single presidential election and Republicans will never stand a chance. So the audit itself, like I said, I read this entire thing. I analyzed the whole thing. The audit numbers show, paint a very different story than the mainstream media headlines. And we're gonna get into those uh, in just one second. I'm Liz Wheeler, welcome to The Liz Wheeler Show. So if you look at these audit numbers, if you look at these discrepancies, um, it's quite striking because it's entirely different than what the mainstream media is telling us about the Arizona audit. I'm gonna delve into the numbers one by one in just a second, but first I wanna to talk to you about Moink Box. My freezer at my home is currently filled with meat. Now, you might be thinking, well, Liz, aren't you a vegan? And the answer to that is yes, I am, but my husband could not have been more delighted um, when we received our Moink Box. He's especially fond right now of the salmon because he tells me it's bulking season and apparently salmon's good for that. But you should join moinkbox.com. You should order it right now because let me tell you, it's delicious, according to my husband. Moink delivers grass-fed and grass-finished beef and lamb, pastured pork and chicken, and wild-caught Alaskan salmon direct to your door. In fact, it's helping family farms become financially independent outside of big agriculture. That's Moink. Their animals are raised outdoors, their fish swim wild in the ocean, and Moink meat is free of antibiotics, hormones, sugar, and all the other kind of nasty junk you find prepackaged in the meat aisle. So sign up at moinkbox.com slash Liz to get a year of bacon for free and then pick which meats you want delivered with your first box. You can change or cancel at any time. Join the Moink movement today. Go to moinkbox.com slash Liz right now and get a free year of bacon. That's one year of bacon, the best bacon you'll ever taste for a limited time. It's spelled M-O-I-N-K box.com 
slash Liz. That's moinkbox.com slash Liz. You'll be glad you did. Like I said, my, my freezer is full of it. So Arizona in the 2020 presidential election, Joe Biden officially defeated President Trump by 10,457 votes. That I should say was the official vote tally. 10,457 votes. That's basically the breadth of a hair when it comes to presidential elections. 10,000 votes is almost within the margin of error. So the Maricopa County forensic audit that was just completed about a week and a half ago, um, what did it find? According to the mainstream media, nothing of significance. But if you read it yourself, as I did, you will find that the Maricopa County Forensic Audit actually flagged fi over 57,000, to be exact, 57,722 ballots as having some issue or some question related to their authenticity or their validity or their legality. 57,722. Obviously, we can all do math here. So 57,000 ballots that have issues, 10,000 votes separating Biden and Trump in the state let alone in just that county, that's five times the number of ballots that have issues as the number of votes that separated Biden and Trump in the entire state. I think that's pretty significant. Do you not think that's pretty significant? I actually don't even believe that Democrats don't think that this is significant. I think they just don't want us to focus on it, which is why they try to label us conspiracy theorists if we so much as talk about it. But they don't scare me. I mean, I, I'm allowed to talk about whatever I want. I will talk about whatever I want. I will talk about what I believe is important to you, what I believe is important to me and my family, what I believe is important to our country. And I believe that this is important, so let's talk about it. If the Democrats, by the way, had a good argument against this, they wouldn't just try to shut down our conversation. They wouldn't just try to shut down the debate. They wouldn't try to shut down the audits. They would actually have an argument that debunks the result of these audits. But they don't. They don't at all. And so they take the mainstream media, the Democrats do, they take the mainstream media as their PR firm. And what they do is they use the mainstream media to try to set a narrative that misrepresents the reality of what the audit found. So the mainstream media in this particular instance declared that the audit found that Biden won by more than originally reported in this hand, this hand recount, which is ridiculous, the hand recount, because here's the critical reason why. The hand recount did not account for these 57,000 ballots that were flagged or for any issues or any fraud. They just took the ballots that were already accepted as being fine in November after the election or during the election on election day. And they said, let's recount the ones that we have based on our original premise that they're all fine. So of course there wasn't a measurable difference because they were operating under their original premise that all of these ballots were fine, that there wasn't any legal issues there wasn't any illegal issues. There wasn't any fraud issues. There wasn't any mismanagement issues. And so the mainstream media presented that to you like you and I are stupid, too stupid to tell the difference between reality and between delusion. But that's, that's the biggest problem with how the mainstream media is covering this. Again, if they had valid concerns with this audit, if they thought it was done incorrectly, if they thought it was done unethically or illegally, okay, I'm open to hearing what they have to say because we all want this done correctly. But the Democrats don't. They just lie. In fact, it's even worse than that. So the mainstream media, on one hand, takes this um, narrative that's not true and tries to perpetuate it to the American people. Meanwhile, Democrats at the local level in Maricopa County actually try to stip like stymie the audit from even happening. The auditors that conducted this audit said, truthfully, it's incomplete. They couldn't get a full comprehensive audit done because county officials in Maricopa County refused to cooperate on some really important things. So what are those things? What did those things 
say? How do those things impact the total tally or the legality or the validity of some of these ballots? Why would these, these county officials refuse to cooperate if by turning over that information, it would be totally fine, it would exonerate them and it wouldn't point to fraud? I mean, that's just shady behavior right now. You don't refuse to cooperate and refuse to turn over information unless you believe that that um, information indicts somebody. It, I mean, it's very shady. We should be asking this question. Furthermore, according to this audit, there was evidence that was pertinent to this audit that was actually removed or destroyed before the subpoena. Why would they remove information? Why would they destroy evidence before a subpoena? Were they expecting a subpoena? If they were expecting it, why? If they were expecting it and their first inclination was to destroy the evidence, why did they feel they needed to destroy it? If everything was on the up and up, above board, legal and valid, why wouldn't they have been in a hurry to turn over that information and evidence to exonerate themselves in the eyes of the country? And yet you and I are the ones that are called conspiracy theorists when we ask about the validity, the legality, the ethics of what happened in Arizona last November? I don't think so. Don't for a second let someone tell you that you can't question this. This is your country and your government, our government. We can question whatever we darn well please. So like I said, I read the entire audit and they in, in this audit, towards the end of the audit, anybody who's interested, I can post a link on my locals to the audit itself, not just to mainstream media analysis of it. There's a, there's a list of issues that correspond to the number of ballots um, that were found to carry those issues, and the numbers are staggering. As I said, over 57,000 total ballots, but listen to some of um, the elementary issues that were the problem that caused these ballots to be flagged. So mail-in ballots that, came, that were, came from people who voted from a prior address, meaning they no longer lived at that residence, meaning they were no longer eligible to vote in that county, 23,344. That's how many. 23,344 mail-in ballots came from residences where the people who were purported to have sent the ballot in didn't live there anymore. I mean, that right there. Now, keep in mind, by the way, whenever, whenever there's fraud or invalid ballots, and I do count those things as somewhat different because there is a difference in intent, right? If you vote, um, if you vote and break a rule, I should say, maybe you didn't know that within 30 days you have to change your voter registration, blah, blah, blah. You should know. But if there wasn't intent behind it, then fine. Maybe you're not a criminal, but it's it's still invalid. That's different than illegal. But when when you have 23,000 ballots that have an issue like this, every single one of them obviously isn't going to be moved from the Biden camp to the Trump camp. That's unlikely. Even the auditors admit that. That's unlikely. But we're talking numbers large enough, five times the number of ballots flagged as the um, margin by which Biden won the entire state of Arizona. And that number 57,000, again, that's only in Maricopa County. So potential voters that voted in multiple counties, 10,342. Now that would just be outright deliberate fraud if you vote two different times. If you vote in multiple counties, that would be outright fraud. More ballots returned by voter than received. 9,041. Again, that one appears to be outright fraud to me as well, because how do you have more ballots returned by voter than received? 9,041 of them. Okay, official results does not match who voted. 3,432. 
How does that happen? I'd love to hear a scenario for almost 3,500 people where the official results do not match who voted. That's a lot of ballots. I mean, th these, these are so, such large numbers compared to the margin by which Biden defeated Trump um, in last November. We, we have to ask these questions. We have to ask these questions if we care about a functioning republic. So in-person voters who had moved out of Maricopa County, 2,382. If you move out of a county, you're not eligible to vote in that county. 2,300 people did it anyway. Voters moved out of state during 29-day period preceding election, 2,081. Voters counted in excess of voter, or votes counted in excess of voters who voted, 836. I mean, the list actually goes on and on. There's like two pages of this. Um, the, the, the total tally of ballots that were flagged for all of these different issues combined, 57,000. We have to ask this question because yes, I know, and it's, it's against all of the terms of service on big tech. You'll, um, you'll have Democrats accusing you of breaching the Capitol and being an insurrectionist or at least motivating and inspiring the insurrectionists if you question this, but it doesn't take a rocket scientist, it doesn't take a mathematician, and it doesn't take a conspiracy theorist to look at this and see that these discrepancies are very concerning. And so when you see something that's as concerning as this, you ask questions and you demand accountability. If we don't, make no mistake, if we do not demand accountability, this will happen again. If we do not demand accountability, Democrats will just be emboldened. The next election and the next election and the next election. It won't matter what kind of campaigns we run. It won't matter what kind of issues we talk about. It won't matter what kind of arguments we make. None of it will matter unless we make sure that the electioneering that did happen, to what scale, we don't know, unless we prevent the electioneering from happening again. This is basically the baseline issue. We have to fix it. In the Arizona audit, the Democrats lied about it. The mainstream media certainly lied about it. But the truth of the matter is, it didn't show that everything was A-OK, -okay, especially in Maricopa County. It, showed that we must ask more questions because there are very big problems. So yesterday we talked about the whistleblower from Facebook and how I don't think she's a real whistleblower at all. I don't think whistleblowers these days know what blowing the whistle means. You have to actually have wrongdoing that the outside world doesn't know about or illegality that um, needs to be held accountable. That's not what the Facebook whistleblower did at all. She's just a, seems to be at least, a far leftist who wants government to take over big tech, and so she's pretending to blow the whistle in order to advocate for her position on a national level. And of course, the Democrats and the mainstream media are eating it up. But a real whistleblower came forward to Project Veritas recently. I don't know if you guys have been following these bombshell revelations from James O'Keefe. This, this perhaps, by the way, I, I told James this yesterday when I talked to him, this might be his best work yet. He has undercover operatives talking to Pfizer scientists. He has a Pfizer employee, a whistleblower, who went on the record with him saying that the vice president of Pfizer conspired via email, and she showed the emails, we have seen the proof with our own eyes, to hide from you and I the fact that they used fetal cell lines, meaning the cells of aborted babies, in the production of their vaccine. It's absolutely astounding. Take a look. I work at a pharmaceutical company. I'm not an anti-vaxxer. Um, I just believe in research and science. Well, in this database, you came across a chain of emails discussing fetal tissue and the COVID vaccine. Vanessa Gelman, 
who works in Washington, D.C., is Senior Director of Worldwide Research. The question came up as an inquiry to our MedInfo group. They're asking, quote, did Pfizer make use of a cell line from an aborted fetus? They want you to leave out the highlighted part, which is the one or more cell lines with an origin that can be traced back to human fetal tissue has been used in laboratory tests associated with the vaccine program. And here we have your badge. You are an employee of Pfizer? I work at the McPherson, Kansas plant. Um, it's one of the biggest plants in the operation of Pfizer. We produce some of the most units. This message from Vanessa Gilman. From the perspective of corporate affairs, we want to avoid having the information on the fetal cell lines floating out there. We believe that the risk of communicating this right now outweighs any potential benefit that we could see, particularly with general members of the public who may take this information and use it in ways we may not want it out there. We have not received any questions from policymakers or media on this issue in the last few weeks, so we want to avoid raising this if possible. Wow. We believe that the risk of communicating this right now outweighs any potential benefit we could see. They ought to put that on American currency. Philip Dormitzer, Vice President, Chief Scientific Officer. These are not low-level people here. So you're showing us emails between the Vice President of Pfizer, the Senior Director of Worldwide Research, mm -hmm. about how to couch it a certain way because we would not want to tell the people that it can be traced back to human fetal tissue. Copying Vanessa Gelman, we have an approved answer to this question, the question being about fetal tissue. Mm -hmm which Vanessa can probably provide, H-E-K-2932. What does that mean, HEC cells? Uh, human embryo kidney cells, and okay. it was from experiment 293. They've used cells from aborted fetuses. Yes, And HEC they don't cells. want the public to know that. Yes. So remember who the public is. The public is you, and the public is me. Pfizer specifically doesn't want us to know that they used the cells of aborted babies in the production of their COVID-19 vaccine. In fact, I, I thought that this was maybe an underreported part of this clip when the vice president was talking about how policymakers and lawmakers hadn't been asking these questions and how they'd like to keep it that way. They also want the government. Obviously, they're right now their biggest customer, the government, meaning your tax money and my tax money, are buying these vaccines. They don't want our representatives in Congress to be talking about this. This, my friends, this is an actual whistleblower. This woman is risking her reputation, her career, possibly her safety, her security for sure, her financial future, her name, everything. She's risking everything to expose the corruption inside Big Pharma. Big Pharma, of course, colluding with big government to force people to get this vaccine. This is an act of courage. This is an act of bravery. This is a true whistleblower who was told by Congress, by lawmakers, to go to Project Veritas to talk about this. James O'Keefe has done it again. And I mean, this is something I think, obviously, those rabid pro-abortionists aren't going to care about this. But a lot of people do care about this. A lot of people care. If the cell lines of aborted babies are used in the production of a vaccine, they feel that it's unethical and immoral and they want exemption from it. Well, now you know the truth. Now we know the truth. But just when you think Democrats, by the way, can't get nuttier, they do. Democrats get nuttier and nuttier. So I, I know you enjoy this type of story. I certainly enjoy this type of story. And I have about 15 today. I know, 15, it's a lot. Bear with me though. Because each story, we're gonna go through this in ascending order 
because each story gets nuttier and nuttier. I'm actually gonna start with the least nutty story of them all, believe it or not. This, this, this story is the least nutty of the ones that we're gonna talk about. Are you ready for this? Democrats in the state of California are trying to force school children, elementary school children, no less, to pray to the Aztec god of human sacrifice. I, I kid you not, this is a real thing. They, I, I mean, we know California's nutty, but we're not just talking about Newsom here. We're talking about lawmakers in Sacramento. Can you imagine sending your third grader to school and coming and your third grader coming home and being like, yeah, we had to chant to the Aztec god of human sacrifice. They used to rip out the live hearts or the hearts of their live victims. And we're forced, we're not allowed to wear shirts with the American flag, probably. We're not allowed to pray, probably. Pray to God, I should say. But to Aztec pagan gods, we are forced to pray. As I said, Democrats are so nutty. This is the least nutty of the stories that we're about to talk about. The least. Can you imagine what's coming next? So Sarah Silverman, very far leftist comedian who also likes to chime in on politics when it's convenient for her. She is decrying something that she is terming Jewface. So what is Jewface? You might say Jewface is when a non-Jewish actor or actress plays a Jewish person on screen. Yes, that's right. So when an actor or actress pretends to be someone that they're not, isn't that literally the definition of what it means to be an actor or actress? Um, so Sarah Silverman thinks that this should be treated like blackface. Sarah Silverman, by the way, appeared herself in blackface a couple of years ago. So I'm not sure why she wants to remind everybody of that. Like, why does she want to bring that up? Because that's all we think about when we hear this, besides the fact that it's absurd. She doesn't want a non-Jew to be playing Joan Rivers specifically um, in a biographical documentary or film or something about Joan Rivers. And so she says anybody, any actress who plays Joan Rivers because Joan Rivers was Jewish is participating in Jew face and ought to be canceled. Just when you think Democrats can't get nuttier, they do. How is this going to work in Hollywood? I, I sincerely want to know. Are we going to get to the point that you actually can't act anymore? That if you want to make a movie about something that might have happened, you have to get the person that actually was part of it? So what about like serial killer documentaries and serial killer series? Do you have to get the actual serial killer to play the leading role? Because if not, isn't that like serial killer face or something? This is where we're going. This is how nutty Hollywood is. But uh, the next story is even nuttier. And it has to do with the border wall. We're going to talk about that in a second. But first, I want to talk about trust and will. We all know that we need one. But most of us, if we're being honest with ourselves, put off creating a trust or a will because it sounds too complex. It's expensive. Maybe we don't want to face our own mortality. But now it doesn't have to be such an icky thing to do. At trustandwill.com, setting up an estate plan is simple. It's convenient. It's secure. And for as little as $39, you can nominate guardians for your children. You can determine who gets your stuff in the event of your death, and you can plan for future medical care, now more important than ever, right? From the comfort of your home. You don't have to hire a traditional state attorney that costs thousands and uses a one-size-fits-all template that's not specialized enough for you specifically. Trust and will documents are designed by estate planning experts, but they're customized for the state you live in. And with live customer support seven days a week, trustandwill.com's team is available to answer any questions you have while setting up your plan. They are a trusted name. Trust and Will is a trusted name in online estate planning. So gain peace of mind at trustandwill.com slash Liz and get 10% off plus free shipping of your customized legal documents. Don't wait. Go right now. This is really important. Get 10% off plus free shipping at trustandwill.com slash Liz. It's time for us all to be adults and take responsibility at trustandwill.com slash Liz. That's the slogan I added, not theirs, of course. Okay. So just when you think Democrats can't get nuttier, they do. 
Get this one. The Biden administration is currently paying contractors that were originally hired to build a border wall under President Trump during the Trump administration. The Biden administration is paying these contractors $5 million a day. Each and every day, they're getting $5 million not to build the wall. They were hired to build the wall, and now they're getting paid not to build the wall. That's your money. That's my money. They're being paid. I mean, it's bad enough to cancel building the border wall. It's much, much worse to pay these contractors not to build the wall. I mean, there has to be something illegal about that, right? To waste our money like that. They might as well just set the money on fire. The money that I worked hard to make, the money that you work hard to make. This, this, there has to be some kind of wrongdoing inherent to this. Democrats are so nutty. Biden is so nutty. He's so disrespectful of what it means to work for a living, what it means to own the fruits of your own labor, that he's literally setting piles of our cash on fire by paying these contractors not to build the wall. But if you think that's nutty, wait till you hear this one. There's a new show that's debuting. You're going to want to tune into this one. Oh my goodness, are you going to want to watch this one? Ready for the title? The title is Get Curious with Vice President Kamala Harris. Oh, I know. I know. I don't know how this name got past the the eyeballs, the basic level eyeballs of the communications department of the White House. Really? Get curious with Vice President Kamala Harris? I mean, these people are nasty. What, what does that even mean? She's supposed to be a scientist or something? She's about as much of a scientist maybe as Bill Nye in this show. Get curious with Vice President Kamala Harris. I don't know whether this is supposed to rehab her image or whether this is supposed to indoctrinate kids, but I can tell you one thing. Lady Baby won't be getting within 100 miles of get curious with Vice President Kamala Harris. Ick. Ick. But if you think that's nutty, oh, just wait till you hear what's next. The Department of Justice is planning to investigate, Biden's Department of Justice will be investigating parents who are opposed to critical race theory under, um, under the premise that these parents are domestic terrorists. You can't make this stuff up. This is really, really shocking. So you will be investigated, perhaps, if you oppose critical race theory in school. But if you burn down, if you vandalize, if you loot, if you destroy private businesses, in the name of BLM, of course, then you are a righteous activist. You're not committing violence. That violence is your speech. And the speech from the other side is violence. But if you are against the idea, if you oppose the idea that your child is being taught that they are inherently racist if they're white or inherently a victim if they're black, then you are possibly a domestic terrorist and the Department of Justice will investigate you as such. Okay, Democrats. I mean, this is too nutty. This is too nutty even for Democrat parents. This is something that only the very upper echelons of the Biden administration support. This is not something that normal people support. But if you think that's nutty, just wait till you hear this story. Education Secretary Cardona literally refuses to say that parents are the primary stakeholders in their children's education. Listen to him say it for yourself. Fairly quick answers here because I want to get to Secretary Becerra. Do you think parents should be in charge of their child's education as the primary stakeholder? I believe parents are important stakeholders, but I also believe primary. educators have a role in determining uh, educational programming. Well, lest you think that's an isolated incident, it is not. Um, hopeful for the governor's seat in Virginia, um, Terry McAuliffe literally said that parents shouldn't be telling schools what to teach their kids. I mean, I, I, I guess I actually appreciate his honesty. Listen to it for yourself. 
veto books, Glenn, not to be knowledge about it, also take them off the shelves. And I'm not going to let parents come into schools and actually you take books out and make their own decision. You vetoed it. So, to yeah, I stopped the bill that I don't think parents should be telling schools what they should teach. Oh, he doesn't think parents should tell schools what to teach their kids. Again, I appreciate his honesty because we know this is true of Democrats, but now we have it on record. This is so nutty. They literally want to take your child. I mean, the idea, by the way, we talk about this all the time, but the idea of Marxism is that family units should be destroyed. They want to, Marxists want to abolish the nuclear family. They believe, they don't believe in parental rights. They believe that parent or that children are um, the property of the state. This is how they do it. This is how they separate children from families. They make sure that parents aren't allowed to take part in their children's education so that radical leftists like Cardona or like McAuliffe can indoctrinate children in Marxism in public schools. It's horrifying. But if you think that's nutty, wait till you hear this one. There's a bill that uh, will force men to get vasectomies that violates men's so-called reproductive rights. And I'm saying that, you'll see why I say that in just a second. In the state of Illinois, there's a Democratic state representative named Kelly Cassidy who filed a bill called the Expanding Abortion Services Act. Now, the acronym for this bill kind of spells Texas, like the Expanding Abortion Services Act. She's trying to be pithy, trying to be witty. Um, It's supposed to be a response to the Texas pro-life, the Texas heartbeat bill, or the Texas heartbeat law, I should say. But this bill is so nutty, so outrageous, so disgusting. This bill would allow a woman not referred to as a woman, of course, only referred to as a person, to sue anyone that causes an unintended pregnancy. So what that means in normal person speak is that if a man and a woman have sex and conceive a child, then the woman is allowed to sue the man if she doesn't want to be pregnant. How insane is that? And this is supposed to be some kind of gotcha bill in response to the Texas law. Are you kidding me? This this is so ridiculous. And then... Uh, Representative Chris Robb from the state says, I will be introducing a bill inspired by Representative Kelly Cassidy that requires all inseminators, now men, you're not men anymore now, you're just inseminators, all inseminators to undergo vasectomies, actually hashtag vasectomies. Is there a vasectomies thread on Twitter? Like, is that a hashtag? Because, ooh, if so, requires all inseminators to undergo hashtag vasectomies within six weeks of having their third child or 40th birthday, whichever comes first. This is like China level sterilization, China level one child, two child, three child policy, China level social engineering that they think is a response to the Texas heartbeat law that just recognizes that an unborn baby is an unborn person. If you think this is nutty, just wait till you see what's next. Oh, these abortion radicals are nutty, nutty, nutty. So Students for Life, great group. They went to the Women's March um, this past week and they were attacked, viciously, verbally attacked by nutty leftists. Take a look at this. Keep in mind, this was the Women's March which was purportedly to support women. But obviously, women who are pro-life do not count as women in the eyes of the pro-abortion women. Just a point that I think is necessary to make. Also, you'll notice that these pro-abortion radicals are no longer pretending it's about choice. They're no longer pretending that an unborn baby 
isn't a baby. They're now just saying that they can kill a baby if they want to kill a baby. Satanic, demonic stuff happening right there. And if you think that's nutty, wait till you hear this one. This one is so insane. In Texas, in a particular school, teachers were instructed how to hide the gender identity of their students if that gender identity differed from the biological sex of the student, how to hide the gender identity from the student's parents. This happened at Leander Independent School District. This is a district north of Austin. And there was a presentation last October called Supporting LGBTQ Plus Youth in Schools. Um, it was, and the crux of this, I mean, it was, it was all weird and nasty stuff that has no place in the school system. But teachers were told to have, to have students fill out forms about their pronouns. And on this pronoun form, um, teachers were told to ask students the question, quote, may I use these pronouns when I contact home? So what if a student says no to that question? Why would you ask that question if you weren't, going, if you weren't willing to facilitate keeping a gender identity or transition secret from the parents of these minors who are in school? This is so messed up, so messed up. The radical left is trying to separate children from their parents. They're trying to take children away from their parents. And if you think that's nutty, wait till you hear this. John Kerry, what is he like, the climate envoy or something? I don't know, he's like the private jet aficionado. That should be his real title. But John Kerry said that Joe Biden had literally no idea about the France submarine issue. Now, this is a pretty significant international event for those who are following it. Australia ditched a billion-dollar deal with France to purchase submarines and instead chose to do business with the U.S. This obviously angered France because Australia ditched them halfway through this deal. And France, as a result, um, was pulling ambassadors, was pulling their staff away from both the Australia and the U.S. And John Kerry said that Biden had, the commander-in-chief, I mean, he's the president, the chief executive, had literally no idea about this international incident. No idea? I mean, this kind of corroborates the idea that Biden is being controlled by the people around him, right? If he has no idea that something this significant is happening. Everybody knows that this is happening. Everybody who follows the news heard about this. But Biden, as the president in charge of this, had no idea. That's scary stuff. And if you think that's nutty, oh, just wait till you hear this. The suicide bomber who killed 13 U.S. service members in Kabul, what is it, over a month ago, a little bit over a month ago, he was released from Bagram Air Base, the prison on Bagram Air Base, just days before he attacked. So what does this mean? This means that Joe Biden's deliberate political choice to close Bagram Air Base, which was obviously an asinine choice, allowed the suicide bomber that killed U.S. service members to be set free, therefore, while he was free, killing Americans. I mean, that's heartrending. Heartrending. So not only was the withdrawal from Afghanistan botched. There's a direct correlation to Biden's choice to close Bagram Air Base and the death of these U.S. service members. You would think that this would be headlining across the country. It's so nutty. But nobody cared about it. Probably because Biden surrounds himself. And if you think that's nutty, you should see who Biden surrounds himself with and continues to try to build up in our federal government. Biden's nominee for the U.S. attorney in Massachusetts is a woman named Rachel Rollins, a U.S. attorney. This is a federal prosecutor who is against prosecuting crime. We're a nation of law and orders, law and order, 
and the Biden administration, the chief executive, Biden himself nominates Rachel Rollins for a U.S. attorney in Massachusetts who is against prosecuting crime. I mean, that's how you end a nation of laws. You stop enforcing those laws, which is the first and primary duty of the chief executive is to enforce laws. If you think that's nutty, wait till you hear about this Biden nominee. Her name is Sauli Amarova. She is uh, the nominee for comptroller of the currency, so essentially regulating banks. Guess where she went to college? Moscow University. She graduated from Moscow University. Moscow State University, I should say. She attended Moscow State University on a scholarship named after Vladimir Lenin. And as recently as 2019, for those counting, that's two years ago, she praised the Soviet Union for their equal pay and their maternity benefits. I mean, this woman is obviously a Marxist. In fact, while she was in college, she wrote a thesis on Marx, which was part of her resume just until very recently, until very recently when perhaps she needs confirmation in the Senate. This stuff is nuts. And if you think that's nuts, if you think the Biden administration is nutty, wait till you hear what the Democrats across the country are doing. There was a new analysis that was just released that shows America's top 25 private schools, not just public schools controlled by the teachers unions, private schools. The top 25 are pushing critical race theory on students. I mean, we're talking like explicitly embracing critical race theory. We're talking about anti-racism, equity, diversity, and inclusion programs. We're talking about all kinds of training for staff in private schools now. Democrats have compromised private schools because public schools is simply not enough. That's why actually a lot of far leftists don't even want private schools to be allowed. They want public schools to be mandatory. And if you think that's nutty, then this one really takes the cake. The nuttiest of all. Los Angeles has instituted a vaccine mandate for all indoor spaces. All indoor spaces. And this vaccine mandate, that's nutty enough, right? This vaccine mandate includes kids. It includes emergency. So the the vaccine, the COVID-19 vaccine, is not actually approved for those 12 and older. It's under emergency use authorization right now. Yet Los Angeles has instituted a vaccine mandate that includes emergency use authorization so that includes children 12 and up. So 12-year-olds are not allowed to participate in society. They can't go to the gym. They can't go to a restaurant. They can't go anywhere unless they're willing to be injected with what even the FDA, the Biden administration admits right now is still an emergency use drug, an experimental drug. If that doesn't upset people across the aisle, if that doesn't take the cake for the nuttiest, the most dangerous, the toxic, the most tyrannical thing that Democrats are doing, then I don't know what does. We're about to embark on Christopher, or on Columbus Day weekend, and of course the mainstream media is trotting out their anti-American, anti-Columbus, anti-white man uh, rhetoric, and I thought we should take a little time and debunk that, right? We're going to in just a second, but first, I'm headed to college campuses this fall, um, all across America, in partnership with my friends at the Young Americas Foundation. I'll be able to talk directly to you at these events, to your peers, about the issues that mean the most to us, that we care about. And I will be taking your questions live. So make sure you prepare ahead of time. Uh, It's my favorite part, those questions. So YAF is the master of these campus events. They've been hosting them, speakers on campuses for literally decades. I am thrilled to be working with YAF to come visit your school and talk to you specifically. 
So please put in a request, and I advise you, you should do this now because the spots are filling up fast. To host an event with me on your campus this fall, it's super easy. All you have to do is go to lizwheelershow.com slash YAF. That's lizwheelershow.com slash YAF. I love meeting you on campus. I love meeting you at YAF's conference. It's one of my favorite parts of my job. We're going to talk about all kinds of crazy stuff. Foreign policy, abortion, vax mandates, cancel culture. And of course, it'll get even more fun when the leftists show up for the Q&A. So don't miss out. Put in a request today, lizwheelershow.com slash YAF. lizwheelershow.com slash YAF. I'll see you on campus this fall. So Columbus Day is coming up, and what is it? Dozens and dozens and dozens of cities and localities across the country now um, celebrate Indigenous Peoples Day instead of Columbus Day. And they do this based on four lies and false narratives told um, by Democrats and by the mainstream media. So let's talk about what these are. The four lies or false narratives told about Christopher Columbus specifically are that Christopher Columbus committed genocide, that he was a mass murderer, that um, he owned slaves, that he was an imperialist who committed imperialism uh, in America, and that he was a man of personal bad character. So these are pretty serious allegations. Let's let's talk about the historical accuracy or inaccuracy. Um, First of all, did Christopher Columbus commit genocide? Was he a mass murderer? No, it's historically ignorant to claim that he was a mass murderer Um, he simply was not. But before we even get into the nitty-gritty, the numbers there, don't people in the same party who now celebrate Indigenous Peoples Day because they claim Christopher Columbus was a mass killer, don't these same people wear Che Guevara shirts and advocate for socialism? Because that guy was a killer, and socialism literally results in genocide. Just a side note, as we're going through, just just a side note on the intellectual hypocrisy here. But the actual fact of the matter is a lot of the natives in North America did die after Columbus came to America. They died of smallpox, the flu, tuberculosis, malaria, the plague, measles, cholera, you name it. Um, In fact, it it was really tragic. There were 20 million in the population in North America. was 20 million in 1492 when Columbus landed. Within two centuries, approximately 95% of those were dead. And almost all of them, were killed by the diseases that I just mentioned. Almost all of them. And that's tragic, but it's not genocide. And it happened after Columbus, not at the hand of Columbus. So accusing Christopher Columbus of being a mass murderer and committing genocide is literally just historically inaccurate. You could have any other opinion on him that you want, but it's literally just factually incorrect to claim that he was a um, mass murderer. Now, did Christopher Columbus own slaves? Yes, he did. So technically, that accusation is is correct. And here's what I will say. First of all, slavery is always morally wrong, always, period. But let's look at the context of history here. The natives in North America at the time constantly enslaved each other, constantly. It was a thing that happened in those times. It wasn't something that was specifically perpetuated by Christopher Columbus or introduced by Christopher Columbus. It was just an evil that was common at that time. So historical context is really, really important. Again, most of the atrocities perpetuated against the natives were perpetuated by people who came after Columbus, not by Columbus himself. So was Christopher Columbus a slave owner? Yes. And so were the natives. Context is key here. Now, did Christopher Columbus commit imperialism, if you want to phrase it that way? I suppose so. I suppose so if you're looking at it um, in that very narrow vein. But let's look at the context again. Why did Christopher Columbus come to America? What was his goal? His goal was to find gold, right? To find wealth. Why? Why did he want wealth? Was it personal greed? It actually wasn't personal greed. He came here to find wealth, to fund a crusade, to take back Jerusalem from the Muslims. That's the history of the thing. And the history of the world, by the way, 
is a history of conquest and war. The Native Americans who were inhabiting North America at the time, they stole land from each other in wars because the history of the world is one of conquest and war. So again, context is key to these accusations. Now, was Christopher Columbus a man of bad character? Context is key here. So the, the primary accuser that Christopher Columbus was a man of bad character came from a man called Francisco de Babadilla. Now, Francisco de Babadilla was basically the chief political rival of Columbus at the time. He wrote an indictment against Christopher Columbus. Now, that might be the same as like Hillary Clinton writing an indictment against Trump. A little bias, not exactly your objective opinion going on there. Um, did Christopher Columbus do some bad things? Yes. Is there anybody that denies that he did bad things? I've never heard anyone who said that he's Jesus because he's human and he sinned and he did some bad things. But when the left says that Christopher Columbus was a man of bad character, they're not trying to look at it from a nuanced standpoint of every great man also did bad things. They're looking at it in a way to help them achieve their political agenda, which is to demonize all white men in order to render the United States as a whole an illegitimate country based on an illegitimate founding in order to destroy the institutions of the current United States of America in order to impose Marxism or socialism or communism or whatever poisonous ideology they so choose. So just so we know, going into Columbus Day weekend, just so we know, the context of these accusations from the left, they're all key. The mainstream media are liars. The left likes to misrepresent. They like revisionist history. And the irony of the whole thing is that all people in the United States if we accept the premise of the left, right, that Christopher Columbus was a white supremacist and that all the institutions he set up benefited white people, well, the United States is incredibly, incredibly successful and prosperous. And so Christopher Columbus founded the United States in a sense. So the irony would be that all people in the United States, including these leftists who are enjoying their right to free speech, are benefiting from the white privilege of Christopher Columbus, as I said, if the left's premise was accurate, which of course, it's not. All right. Let's turn now to the locals VIP of the week. Um, Jay Hay, let's see it on the screen here. Let's see it on the Vesta board, the locals VIP of the week until he puts it up there. We'll just talk about locals for just a second. I am specifically glad for locals this week after uh, YouTube released their horrific terms of service showing that we actually can't have a conversation on, on YouTube without being censored. Thank goodness for locals where we can have censorship free conversations. Our locals VIP of the week, this is a new member of our uh, growing community would be Royal S-F-A-N. Well, maybe San Fran. 79, Royal, welcome to the Liz Wheeler Show community on Locals. We are glad that you are part. We talk about everything on Locals. We post things that we're not allowed to post on other social networks. We discuss things that need to be discussed. And we have a great time. We have an absolutely great time. We do live question and answers. We do lives whenever something comes up. And everyone is welcome to join us on the Liz Wheeler Show community on Locals. Royal, we're glad to have you. Introduce yourself. Let us know who you are, where you're from, and uh, why you're conservative. All right, on that note, we are out of time for today. Uh, we will be back soon, but in the meantime, please subscribe to the show. Give us a five-star rating. Write us a glowing review. Thank you for watching. Thank you for listening. I'm Liz Wheeler. This is the Liz Wheeler Show. The Liz Wheeler Show is produced by Jonathan Hay. Executive producer, Chad Abbott. Director of Photography, Kevin McRoberts. Editor, Alejandro Figuerilla. Assistant editor, Michael Wall. Sound mixer, Robin Fenderson. Post-production manager, Victoria Metzl. Director of Marketing, Emily Washler. 
production and talent coordinator, Matt Toffler, and senior publicist, Patricia Jackson. This has been a Soundfront production. <laughs>